Hello, this is Wendy and Sarah. Welcome to the Rising Stronger podcast. We're passionate about all things yoga, health, and wellness to help you navigate a vibrant, empowered life at age 40 and beyond. We've both been rising stronger for 50 plus years, committed to living our best life. We teach and bring you education and insight on meditation, yoga, nutrition, natural healing techniques, and we don't shy away from any topics here like menopause and grief. This is the place to learn and grow through holistic living and igniting your true nature. Join us for inspired, soul-sparking conversations. This is the Rising Stronger Podcast. Welcome, Rising Stronger community. Wendy Swanson and Sarah Kane DeCosta here. We are thrilled that you have decided to join us. We are honored that you would take time to be with us. And we would so appreciate at the end if you would leave us some feedback, a review, and please share the love, spread this podcast around. Sarah and I are beyond excited to welcome one of our wise elders, Marlene Cox, to our podcast today. Welcome, Marlene. And Sarah, I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about how you know Marlene. Yes, thanks, Wendy, and welcome, Marlene. We are so thrilled to have you here today. And I would like to share something that's near and dear to my heart about Marlene. Marlene, you are one of the most influential people in my life. And you are a friend and a mentor to many. There, you and I have known each other for, it's probably close to over 23 years. And I know this because my son is almost 23 years old. And we worked together when I was pregnant. So it has been a long time. And what a beautiful journey. And one of the, so there's a, Short story I wanted to share about Marlene and how you are one of the most influential people in my life. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but during the time after Brandon was born, I went through, I was going through a divorce just four months after Brandon was born. And at the time I was new to Charlotte. I just moved here from California to, to Charlotte And at that time, I didn't know where I was going to go. My parents had relocated to uh, Kentucky. And so I didn't know if I was going to go back to California, stay in Charlotte, move to Kentucky with my parents. I was in this whirlwind, and I just didn't know what to do. And there was one morning I was in Kentucky with my son, and I just it was having a hard time getting out of bed because I was having a hard time making this decision of what I was going to do. And I needed to get back to Charlotte if I was going to stay to get back to work. And Marlene, you and I, you and I were on the phone that day, that winter in 1999. And you were the one who said to me, listen, you have a great job here. 
you can do this. You can be a single mom. You've got this. Take a little bit more time and come back to your job. You've got great people here waiting to support you. That helped me make the decision to come back to Charlotte and stay in Charlotte. So I am forever grateful for that brief conversation because it got me here. And I'm so glad I stayed and uh, love my life here. And so you've made that big difference. And you've made a big difference for so many people in, in your life. And that's why it's important for us to have a conversation with you today. Marlene, you are a retired, uh, you are a retired, you're a mom, you're a grandmother, you're a great grandmother, you're a mentor, you're a good friend, you are your family's matriarch. You have one child, two grandchildren, and listen to this all, 45 plus nieces and nephews, second and third and fourth generation. How amazing is this? Marlene, that's incredible. And we're so glad to have you here. And especially in this time where women are starting to rise, women are starting to come forward into leadership roles that we've never had before. And I'd love to share, have you share your story because you are a trailblazer. (laughs) And so welcome, Marlene. Glad you're here. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, I, and thank you for that introduction. I, <laughs> my goodness, I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember that conversation specifically with you that day, but as you were telling that story, I knew exactly why I would say those words. I was a single parent of young children, and I knew how tough it was to be single uh, and, and trying to support them. What I also knew is that TJ Maxx was an excellent company to work for and that you had a future there. They had an excellent health insurance program and and, uh, other kinds of benefits that would uh, help you as a single mom. And that I think that's where I was coming from uh, because you already had it. You didn't have to go out and find it. You already had it. Right. Yes. But I think that's where I was coming from. But thank you for for that memory. and 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 the the good result of that is the the wonderful person you are today, and the wonderful person Brandon has grown up to be. <laughs> Thank you. He's a good guy. Yes. Yeah. And so, Marlene, I I heard a, a saying recently: if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And this reminds me of you, Marlene. You've continued to grow give back and engage with the community. What drives this passion and purpose for you? Well, uh, there are a few things that drive me, uh, but my passion has been not to be like my grandmother. <laughs> let me understand. I had a wonderful, loving grandmother. Um, so let me give some perspective to that. I am now 82 years old. I was born in in 1938 during World War II. And my mother died in 1944 during the tuberculosis uh, epidemic. Wow. And I was six years old at the time. So I went to live with my grandmother. I called her mama. And um, mama was born in Goldsboro, North Carolina in 1895. And she only had a fourth grade education. 
She ended up in Brooklyn, New York during the Great Migration. And while she could read and write, her comprehension was limited. Uh, she had a lot of common sense and a very big heart. She worked as a domestic uh, for several Jewish families um, uh, for many years. And she always pushed me to finish school. And she would say, you get your education so you won't have to scrub other people's floors and clean their toilets like I do. Wow. I heard that almost every day of my high school year. Wow. Almost every day. Um, I was an honor student at a vocational high school in Brooklyn. I excelled in English, in Pittman shorthand. I took 120 words a minute and, and typing at 60 words a minute on a royal manual typewriter with a returning carriage. Now, I bet you two have never seen one of those, have you? <laughs> I, 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 I've used a typewriter, but maybe not with the returning carriage. That's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. Uh, so I never used my shorthand skills, though. Never used them to earn a living. Um, other than taking notes when I, when I later attended night classes at Brooklyn College. Uh, my first job was with JCPenney at their offices in, in, uh, in New York City in a typing pool. Back then, black girls didn't, couldn't get jobs as secretary or stenographer. It just didn't happen. Wow. But I had an office job, and I wasn't scrubbing somebody else's floors and cleaning their toilets. And I just have to say, right, the, our moms, our grandmothers, our, our women before us, but they just, they want us to do better and, and to not have to suffer maybe in the same ways. And it sounds like you didn't suffer in the same way, maybe in other ways, but not in that way. Right. Yeah. So, so back then I didn't have a mentor, you know, there wasn't anyone in my family or in the community um, who could advise or coach me about working in an office and working anywhere with all white folks. It was a very different world back then. Um, so that learning was difficult and it was painful. But later on, many years later, I have had a fair amount of success in my life. And I'm sure mama would be proud. Mm -hmm. My yeah. purpose now, you asked me about my passion and my purpose. My purpose now is to reach back to young females from lower income families or those being raised by single moms to offer them mentoring um, and exposure to things uh, art and learning and experiences that they would otherwise not have an opportunity to, to learn about. My first mentoring experience was more than 30 years ago in Chicago before I moved to Charlotte through the Big Brother Big Sister program. Uh, this young lady now works as a law clerk in a, uh, for a judge in Chicago, and her son is now in a master's program. I think that's a nice measure of success. Yes, absolutely. Since I've retired, I spent six years volunteering with AFS, the American Field Service, which was the um, premier student exchange organization in the United States. And they offered student exchange opportunities to live abroad with a family in another country, attend schools there and learn a different language, and also to have other students from other countries come here and be hosted by American families. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience for students. And I really got um, caught up in it more than I thought I would. But I saw it as an opportunity 
um, to find, again, students from low-income families or uh, uh, students being raised by single parents to, to work to find that opportunity for them to go abroad. So um, I was able to use my influence to find scholarship money for several of the American students I mentored. And I was able to send four students to spend two weeks in Columbia, South America um, during the summer months. And they uh, helped to work on building a school. They each lived with a family and they got to go to church on Sunday with them and did everything the family did. Uh, and they made some lifelong friends there. These were life-changing experiences for these young ladies. Uh, and I'm still in touch with one of them who, after she graduated high school, spent the past year in China as an au pair with a very wealthy family. She had to come back, unfortunately, because of COVID. We were sent back home back in November. She had to return. Um, she has become fluent in Mandarin, and she's now taking online classes um, with the university. She wants to become certified in, in the language so that she can become an interpreter. Another student um, that I was mentoring, let me see here. She was 17 year old Latina. She was, she was 17, she was 16 years old when I met her. She was 17 uh, when I was able to find money for her to, we sent her to Japan for a month. She had, her, uh, she was a latchkey kid. Both her parents work. Uh, her father was from Costa Rica. Her mother's from Dominican Republic. And, and um, her mother doesn't speak English very well. Uh, and she's an only kid. So the, both her parents worked. She was home all day after school and she stayed online and she found language classes online and she was teaching herself Japanese and she wanted to go to Japan. So we found scholarship money for her and she spent a month in Japan and she came back um, with a larger grasp of the language. And she's now a junior at Western Carolina University. She is a pre-med student and she's also studying Japanese. And this past semester, she made the Dean's List. Wow. So I'm really proud of her. I'm really proud of her. That, and, her parents, and her parents keep calling me Miss Marlene. I, just, I can't get them to call me Marlene. They keep calling me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that is incredible, Marlene. And so can I ask too, um, American Field Service, yes. they, they are a nationwide organization. So a if worldwide organization. Worldwide. Is because if anyone hears this and is inspired by this story, it is worldwide American Field Service. Right. That is incredible, yes. and it's incredible. And thank you for doing that and working with our youth and inspiring them. Uh, that is amazing. They so, inspire me, Sarah. Right, <laughs> they I'm inspire sure. me. They really do. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. You're inspiring me. I know you've you've shared with Benicius and I of this, and, and maybe someday we'll get involved. I think that's beautiful. And so looking back at your life experiences and career as a biracial woman in leadership, and and I know this because I worked, we worked together for many years. This this you're working in corporate in a predominantly male leadership world. 
And so what hits you first when you glance back at what you've accomplished? What are you most proud of? Um, I, I think my ability to, uh, uh, to create uh, meaningful relationships, to build meaningful relationships with everybody, whether they be corporate folk or managers, my peers, or the people who reported to me, or the other hourly associates who worked in the building, I was able to build uh, meaningful relationships and have people feel they could trust me. That was really important to me. Um, When I first arrived in Charlotte, I had already been with the company for 12 years on the store side of the business. So I was transferred here to distribution services, a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I transferred to Charlotte. I walked in the door with three strikes against me. I was black. I was female. I was human resources. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. First two years were filled with anxiety. I was combating uh, snide remarks all the time and dealing with an all-white, all-male hostile management team. There were many days I thought about quitting and going back to Chicago because it seemed so painful to deal with the hatefulness and, and I had to, uh, that I had to deal with when I first arrived. Uh, it took me two years for me to grow through that experience. Uh, those challenges um, were very difficult to overcome. Uh, that experience, though, did give me a backbone, <laughs> and it taught me how to effectively handle bullies, which is what they were. So by the time I re- retired 14 years later, the whole management team, as well as the associates and supervisors, treated me with respect and affection. And I'm a proud, uh, I am proud of um, my personal and professional growth under those difficult circumstances. Marlene, I just have to say that's, you clearly are an incredibly strong woman to deal with such adversity and to be sort of the the odd person out, like you said, three strikes against you and to, to persevere um, through that adversity and then get to a place of being respected and treated with affection. I mean, it sounds like you really are a connector type of person that you are able to um, make those connections with people. So I just want to recognize that. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about your um, your second act. And I'm guessing, hearing you, that the word retirement isn't necessarily in your vocabulary. Um, and no matter what age many of us think about, what do I want to do with my life? Um, what have you been reflecting on in this in this area? Well, I've already been retired 10 years now. And when I first retired, I wasn't reflecting on much. Uh, I felt like I had been let out of jail. <laughs> Literally, I was everywhere. I was all over the country visiting high school friends I hadn't seen for years. I was in Atlanta. I was in California. I went to New York. I went, I was here. I was there. Uh, and, and a friend, a very dear friend of mine from many years ago in Chicago, she 
uh, now lives in Trinidad. She was working for the UN at the time and she was based in Trinidad. And she invited me down and I just on, a, on the spur of the moment went down. She said, come on down for Mardi Gras. And I went down for Mardi Gras. Oh my <laughs> God, what an awesome time. That is awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. so, so my first, you know, I was just running around like somebody crazy and it took <laughs> a couple of years to kind of calm down and, and, and then look around the house. And so I started doing work in the house. I, you know, we did the kitchen a little bit and painted and moved things around and so on. And then I had to sit down and say, okay, now what? And then I think I had my, um, I think it was my 77th birthday or my 78th birthday. I woke up that morning and I said, damn girl, you're getting old. (laughs) 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 You gotta figure this out. You can't keep running around doing stuff and painting the house and stuff. You gotta get serious. So, (laughs) so I don't know what kind of serious reflection I've done. I know that I have, uh, a great grandson. He's now ten years old, and he is just the core of my being. Uh, and he's and he's so smart and so precious. I wasn't able to see him this summer because of COVID, uh, but I do see him twice a week on Zoom. And so I, I think about making life fun for him, making life magic for him. So you know, a couple of years ago, I took him to Disney, and and every summer when he comes down to visit me, I try to find fun educational things to do with him. And I'm still going to continue to do that. So he's a priority. And then, and then to put my life in order, you know, to you accumulate, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but you accumulate crap over the years. You buy <laughs> stuff that you think you need or you want, and you really don't. And it ends up in the closet. I can't tell you how many times I've opened a closet or walked out into the garage and said, why did I buy that? <laughs> And what's more, why am I keeping it? You know, <laughs> so, you know, so that's what I've been doing. I've been shedding the years of accumulation and, and pointlessness and uselessness and then trying to, to anchor my life in another way. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that, so. that makes beautiful sense, Marlene. So it, it makes sense. You celebrated, you were let free you know, really, really um, got to experience some fun events and travel and connection. And then coming back to what's so meaningful, your grandson and simplifying your life. So it, it makes so much sense as we women um, move through the aging process to simplify more and more and to let go and to refine to what really matters. So it sounds like you're you're in that place of really wanting to see what what's important, what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So women, you know, in midlife and beyond, we sometimes struggle with thinking that it's too late to start something new, to learn something new. And, and you've been such a mentor to so many. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit uh, about what, what you think about, um, you know, starting something new. I think if, if that's what you want to do, do it. I, you know, I've heard people say that and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. 
Uh, you know, I read on, I read an article about a woman in her 70s who took karate classes and then how she warded off somebody who tried to snatch her purse. I mean, that man was never so surprised in his life. And I think he will never try to do that again because she <laughs> his butt. Um, and then I, I read about the lady uh, in her 60s or so who finally wrote a book that she had been thinking about for 30 years. And it, and it was a, a fairly decent seller for her. And then, you know, I think about the important things that that we, we follow through with whatever we have in our heart and our mind that we really should do. And we don't, but we should. And age doesn't have anything to do with it. When the kids are gone, you've given your first part of your life to raising your family and putting every penny you have into them and being sure that they have an education so they can live a good life. And instead of being an empty nester, oh, poor me, I'm here all by myself, go do something that you want to do. Marlene, you have been such a mentor to so many and, and just you being you is, is inspirational. And I think our folks listening would love to hear about midlife and beyond that, you know, sometimes we get this notion that it's too late to start something new, to learn something. And, and you clearly um, just embrace each moment. And so we'd, we'd love to hear from you about what your thoughts are about people that say, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I'm, t- I'm too old. I'm too old to do whatever, whatever. Yeah, I, I've heard people say that I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it. Um, I, I read an article about a woman who was 70 years old and she took karate classes and uh, she waved off a, a purse snatcher one night um, and she beat the living daylights out of him. I bet that changed his life. Um, and then there was the lady in her 60s who finally wrote a book that she had been wanting to do for 30 years. Uh, and so I, I think the important thing is that you follow through with whatever you have in your heart and on your mind uh, that you want to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Comes with experience and wisdom. You know, hang out. If you want to hang glide or mountain climb or uh, play chess <laughs> or uh, do it, you in bird watching, do it. Just do it. And if you're, if you, uh, it touches a core in your soul, you become good at it, and and it imp- it enriches your life. And if you if you're not good at it, fine, you gave it a try, put it aside, try something else, and move on. Um, it's okay to be perfectly imperfect. Ah, oh, yes, <laughs> you're talking my language, Marlene. Yes, <laughs> so you know, don't let other people decide your life for you, especially after you've already lived half of it, uh, then the rest of it should be up to you to, to do the things uh, that are in your heart and to do the things that make you happy and tell them to go mind their business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if somebody's pivoting in their career or taking up a new hobby or interest, um, what, what other advice might you have for them? Cause this, this is good, Marlene, you are just a, uh, I, I love sitting at the at the seat of of a wise elder. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. I I I never been, thought of myself as a wise elder, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Marlene, I I think I think all of us women 
I think it's so beautiful to step in, even if we don't consider ourselves that, right? It's like, oh, I'm just me. I'm not, I'm not wise. I'm not this and not that. But I think it's the honoring of, of, um, somebody that's just come before us that has the wisdom. And yeah. I think that's so lacking in our, in our, at least in our culture, you know, I yeah. know some other cultures really revere um, elders in a, in a different way. So tell, tell us more about what advice you might offer somebody who's in a place of pivoting career or hobby or interest. Okay. Well, I, I pivoting and, and changing and all of that, doesn't happen at any particular time. If we're paying attention, uh, your life is always changing and growing and pivoting. And sometimes we don't notice it because we're focused on one thing. We're focused on the kids or we're focused on the job or we're focused on uh, the husband or the marriage or the, the marriage that's falling apart or the whatever. You know, we're focused on other things. So we don't understand or we don't see all the time that in the in those experiences, we are changing, we are growing, we are pivoting all the time. Um, so it's it's finding time. The, the things that you do with your yoga, Sarah, Wendy, is helping people to be centered and be quiet in the moment. If we could find time to do that, even in the midst of a busy day, in the midst of um, an argument, <laughs> in, in the midst of, of suddenly realizing your marriage is falling apart or you're, you're losing your job or, or whatever, whatever. In the midst of that, if we could get people to, to, to calm down and quiet, uh, they could see things a little more clearly. And that's not always possible to do. So, you know, working through... Um, Improving professional skills or communication skills or uh, maintaining your health and, and, and helping you to stretch your abilities beyond what you think you are capable of doing. We're capable of doing so much more than we allow ourselves to do. Yes. Beautiful. Right. Thank you. Okay. Develop a hobby. Oh, my gosh. Do do. What you want to do. I hate it when somebody tells me, I think you said once before, Sarah, people say you're too old to do that. Yeah. yeah. Who, is too old to do? who is too old? Who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Don't tell me I'm too old to do something. Go after it. You know, yeah. you enjoy it. And if not, then, then move on to the next thing. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. No, just do it. That, that Nike motto, just do it, right? <laughs> just get out and do it. Yes, enough. Enough with worry and being scared. Just do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. And I, I feel like, too, the more, the more we do something that scares us, the easier it gets. The more times we try things that we think, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So keep trying. Keep yes. trying. Yes, it's facing, it's facing the demon, you know? Yeah. You face the demon you see it's not as scary as you thought. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. I, I feel like, I often feel like, I remember when, you know, back in that day, 20-something years ago, when I was faced with, Oh, now I'm going to be a single parent. I, I, after being a single parent, 
I can do anything. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. You certainly can. I learned that. Like, hell yes. There, get out of my way. <laughs> if you can manage a three-year-old and a four-year-old and still survive with your hair intact, you got it. You can do anything. And I feel like that too for any parent, but more importantly, the single parents. <laughs> After that, nothing scares me. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, and so <laughs> one thing, you know, over, over obviously over this last year, our country has been in such a great divide. And, you know, it, it just, I know it does for you, Marlene, it just hurts my heart. Um, you know, it, it, we've seen some people feel like now it's okay just to yell and shout at each other just because they have a difference of opinion. I'm right, you're wrong, it's my way, or I can't be friends with you. And, you know, I, I know after working with you for so long that, it is ingrained in your soul as it is ingrained in mine to build relationship with people. And so what advice would you give women in our community? How, how do they go about handling this great divide that our, our world is, is working through and, and get back to, to the core, right? Treating each other with dignity and love. That, that's a tough question, uh, Sarah. I have um, been in one of those conversations um, with someone I thought I knew, right? Actually, two different people, but with, with people I thought that I knew. And then suddenly the conversation exploded. It was, it was startling at first. And, and then as I was trying to get some clarity in the conversation or whatever, the, it just accelerated and and it was it was a little terrifying. It really was, and it and it made me say, "Who who is this person? I thought I knew this person. I I thought I knew them. Who are they?" Um, so, um, I think immediately what I what I what I had to do uh, over time is just limit my connection to that person. I don't talk as frequently as we used to, but. If, if I get a text or something, I respond and say hi, my love to the family and that kind of thing and let it go. Um, but there's no real relationship anymore. I, what, what can we do to, to overcome this disease that has spread in, in our environment? I, I think we need to pray a lot, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, but whenever we can and wherever we can, just continue to show love and to show understanding and to show caring and and um, and to whenever we have the opportunity when someone will listen is help them to understand that our democracy is one of the best ones in the world and while it's delicate and it's fragile and it's still growing it's up to each one of us to reinforce it every day uh, uh, in order for it to survive and um, it's the best in the world. And we have to believe that and we have to keep talking about it, but we can't, I don't think getting into an argument solves anything. Yes, thank you, Marlene. That's, that's such wise words. Um, so as we start to wrap up this amazing conversation, I have just been so inspired by you. Um, can you share for our audience your 
top three tips for aging well as a 82-year-old, vibrant, wonderful woman? <laughs> oh, I, I, I hope that I'm aging well. I, I just got my COVID shot, so I'm cool. I'm really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, as you get older, you really have to make yourself your priority. You know, when, when we're younger as women, we're the nurturers uh, of the world and we take care of everybody and we take care of everybody in front of ourselves. You know, we're always the last ones that we pay attention to. But when the kids are gone, um, that's the time to focus on you. And you need to be able to be sure that you are mentally, physically and spiritually sound and, and, and it doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes some commitment to it on a daily basis and making yourself your priority. Um, stay positive and keep negative people out of your life. And sometimes that might be long, longtime friends and it might even be people in your family. But when they have negative energy and if they're divisive, divisive, kumbaya, baby, see you later. <laughs> No, no. Like I yes. say to, to my dog, Sashi, when she's constantly in the kitchen begging me, I say, go. And she puts her tail between her legs and walks out of the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so good. Yes. Oh, so good. Yes. I love it. Oh my goodness. And so Marlene, we, we always like to end or finish out our podcast with a, with a, a favorite quote to inspire ourselves and our community, could you share to kind of start to close us out? What are your favorite quotes of inspiration? Hmm. Oh, they were so. I have developed a habit over the last ten years or so. I have a little book, and I keep it downstairs in the in the room where I read. And every time I run across uh, something that inspires me, I write it down. So I have a whole collection of things. And I'll show it to you, Sarah, the next time you come over. Mm-hmm. But, um, one thing is that I think is relevant to the time. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. And I have said that a lot with my teenage um, young ladies that I've been mentoring. They get all hung up with how the names that other teenagers might call them. You know how kids are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't quite learned how to let that stuff bounce off of them. They absorb it and it, and it impacts their self-esteem and it hurts their feelings and it makes them feel badly about themselves. And so a lot of the talking I do with them is to build their, their, their self-confidence and understanding that you aren't what they called you. You are something else, right? And, and, so you don't pay attention to that. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. And you're not that thing. So I like that. And I use that a lot with my, with my girls. The other one is, have I been a good friend? Um, mm-hmm. I have three um, friends that are the same age as I am. We went to elementary school, junior high school, and high school together. All of us got married around the same times, and we were all in each other's weddings <laughs> all the the, the 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 four of us um and and um so one friend now lives in atlanta with her daughter 
And another friend is still in Brooklyn and also living with her three daughters or living close by with her three daughters. And, and the third one died a few years ago. And she had been, she was probably my closest friend. And she had been um, very ill for several years, for very, very ill. And her health was declining for maybe three or four years. And um, one year, um, I volunteered with UFS. I volunteered when we were sending students back home and the students from Charlotte, we would put them on a bus and they would ride on the bus overnight to New York uh, to get the plane to whatever country they were going back to, right? So it was a big project getting kids back home at the end of the school year. And so I volunteered one year to to ride that overnight bus. Oh my God, what a trip that was. <laughs> ride the overnight bus 12 hours to New York uh, so that I could go visit Pauline. And she lived a, um, she lived about 45 minutes from JFK Airport in New York. So I went to see her and I told her I was, I didn't tell her I was coming. I surprised her. And she had um, a, 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 a healthcare worker there with her because she was in a wheelchair and, and, uh, and she lived in a senior assisted living house and uh, the healthcare worker, and and I was devastated to see her because she had already always been a robust, healthy person. And then I saw her; she was this small, frail person. Her hair was snow white, and she was drawn, and her skin was ashen, and all of that. And I was just horrified to see her. And I left there. I spent about two hours with her, and I left there, and I cried almost all the way back to Charlotte on the airplane. And so the next year, I did it again because I, I kept saying, we've been friends for so long and I knew she was sick, but I didn't understand how sick she was. Could I have come visited her sooner? Could I have uh, brought her some comfort just by being with her and show, showing pictures or, or just my presence or something? And, and it just bothered me. And so the next time... Um, I, I took the, the, <laughs> I, I took the bus up <laughs> the next year. I rode that bus overnight with a bus full of teenagers. Oh my God. It was like, <laughs> but I took the bus up and then she was in, um, um, a, a hospital. She was in a hospital and, and, um, and, and I walked into this room she didn't know I was coming. I didn't tell I was coming. And she was, I walked into this room and she was asleep in the bed and she looked so old and she looked so old and she looked so worn and she was thin and frail and she was nothing but skin and bones. And it just, it was so hard for me to see her like that. And so I keep asking myself, have I been a good friend? Could I have visited her more? So I came back again. I went back again, and this time on my own ticket. I bought my own <laughs> ticket. And I went to New York again, and I took pictures. I, had a, I went through all the pictures I have here in the house and pictures of her wedding. I was her, best, uh, was her maid of honor in her wedding. And I took pictures of her in a wedding and, and when Billy was born and, and all the pictures of us from high school that I found. And I copied them, and I put them in a book, and I flew to New York. And, um, and this time I wasn't on a schedule. 
I was on my own time. I wasn't on somebody else's time. And I stayed a whole afternoon with her and I showed, we showed pictures and, um, and, and, and it was, it was a nice day. So that's what I mean when I say, have I been a good friend? Have I been a good friend? And she died quietly in her sleep about three years ago one night. So then the last one is, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, in the Bible, it says, I shall not want. But we are consumers in this human existence, and we're always wanting something, (laughs) right? But the reality is, if does what I do, what I want is what I want, what I need. And it's not always so. So someone, I didn't do that. Someone changed that. And I thought that resonated with me. The Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. Thank you. Thank you, Marlene. That is beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for being open and honest and, and sharing your life with us today, Marlene. We so appreciate you and thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Good. 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 I hope there's something here you can use. Absolutely. So much goodness. And thank you to our Rising Stronger community for listening and this wonderful conversation today. We love and appreciate all of you. Some of our upcoming events that will be coming up soon this year, March 20th, our Spring Equinox Yoga and Meditation virtual event. Also in April, we're relaunching our self-care yoga and holistic reset, which actually goes right along with a lot of the conversation we had this morning with Marlene to make yourself a priority. We're going to help help you with that in the four-week course. We also have our Sedona, Arizona Magical Yoga and Hiking Retreat, October 10th through the 14th this year. And join our private Facebook page for more inspiration. And we will make sure that all these links are in the show notes, including today we will list American Field Service, which is uh, what Marlene has shared with us. And today we will list that also in case you're interested in that. And once again, Marlene, thank you ever so much. You are an inspiration to me. You are an inspiration to your family and your community. And we so love and appreciate our time with you today. And a big, big namaste to you. Namaste, Sarah. Yes, namaste. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank you, everybody in our Rising Stronger community. And we will talk to you in our next podcast. Have a beautiful day. Big love.